All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We have our first female guest ever on the Tony and Dakota podcast, and Tony's going to introduce her. This is one of our good friends, uh, part of our friends group, uh, Jacinda Neustell. <laughs> uh, she came to Fort Wayne from Jamestown, North Dakota, about five or six years ago. She can correct me if I got that wrong. Um, she went from job to job for a little while. Uh, she's done everything from being a mechanic to building pontoons um, to doing some office work later on. Uh, Jacinda started to feel like she was onto something when she started airbnb some of her rooms in her personal home. Uh, now Jacinda manages over 20 units herself for uh, LTD Property Group, herself, other landlords here in Fort Wayne. Um, Jacinda Nistel. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It feels really cool to be, like, to have set up this room, and now I get to be one of the guests. So. That is crazy. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. Are you going to be able to set up the la- the next one with the same design? Oh, well, I didn't make up the design, but I can copy it. I'm great about copying once I once it's up. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so... I wanted you to tell people the story of you coming uh, to Fort Wayne from North Dakota. Um, What was going on in your life? Why did you move? What did it look like? What happened? I had come here for a summer job. Um, Someone that I was seeing at the time, he was away for like six months. And so I was like sitting at home feeling sorry for myself that I had the whole wait the whole summer for him. And so someone offered me a, a summer job and I was like, yeah, like let's let's go out of town and have something to do. And so when I got here, it was really nice that like the weather was nice. It's a bigger city, much bigger than Jamestown, but uh, there was like, everyone was still good Midwestern people here. Like I don't feel out of place and stuff like that. So then um, went back home afterwards and I was like, yeah, it would be kind of nice to move away. I'd always wanted to like think about moving out of North Dakota, but I distinctly remember the moment when I decided to move away. I used to work for United Airlines, and it was like negative 50 in North Dakota for a solid two weeks, and I was that person, like, when the plane would land at 11.40 p.m., I'd be that person waving it down on the freaking tarmac, and I remember, like, it taxiing in, it takes a long time, and everything just hurts so bad when it's that cold, and I was like, this is it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore, so... I think we're all starting to get that about <laughs> here. Maybe we'll go to Arizona after that. But it was uh, it was the distinctive moment of like, all right, this is enough. I'm going to move. That's crazy. So you you came to Indiana and then you went back home and then you decided yeah. to come. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like saved up some money. Like, is this really what I want to do and stuff like I even came a second time to like look at rentals. None of them panned out some there are some real estate photographers that are works in magic because they like nothing like what the actual houses do. That's awesome. Yeah. They're using like virtual staging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks nice. So what was your what was your first job then whenever you uh, like came just for that little time? Yeah, I worked for the same church that I worked at for the summer. So I came back and I was actually studying. This was when I was studying to work from home. I was like, I'd already caught the like travel itch and I traveled for like three months after I graduated high school and I was like, never gonna be able to travel like this with a regular job so if I can work remotely or work from home whatever this that way I can still travel and do everything so I was doing medical transcription and editing so then I'd work for them part-time and then do that part-time and then like when I finally 
finished the program and got a job and was doing it, like it actually paid less than minimum wage because they pay you like per line that you edit. And I was like trying to hold out and get good at it, but it never like turned around. And so that's when I did pontoon boats. And that was that was a very humbling season for sure. So are you are you a fast typer then? I used to be now that I have nails, not so much, but uh, I, I could bust out over 120, 130 words a minute kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, good at it real fast. But So what did it look like then? Because I feel like we skipped a bunch. You're like, and now I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, explain a little bit more about like the process of getting moved to Fort Wayne. And so did you, uh, you didn't even say if you broke up with that guy or not. Like there's so much stuff. <laughs> Definitely you left not out. Anymore, so but. you broke up with the dude. You're like, Hey, I'm going to Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's so freaking warm there. And you were so excited uh, to get to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, were you like trying to leave your family? Were you like, screw <laughs> this? I'm done. I'm getting out of here. Was it like what motivated you to leave? And then um, what was the environment like when you first got here? Because I imagine when you first get here, you're like, oh, cool. I have no friends. Like I need yeah. to meet people. What's going on? And uh, I can't imagine like picking up right now and like going to another city and just being like, all right, I got this job and now I'm just going to do this. So what did it look like for, for you to get back to Fort Wayne, decide that that's where you wanted to stay and then uh, start to like get some different jobs and get into the Airbnb? Yeah, that was a, it's pretty crazy actually. So we were still together when we moved here, which honestly was kind of nice to have a partner to move here with. It was a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. I also never like drove that far before and stuff like that. So it was nice to have someone to do it with. Um, and then, yeah, when I first arrived here, um, I was supposed to, I had put a deposit down on like a two bedroom house or whatever, and it was not livable at all. So then, so then I had to like call some people that I had met the year before and be like, remember me? I don't actually have a place to stay tonight. Like, would you mind if I came and crashed your house? Which was very humbling. And, uh. But then like two weeks in, I was going to have my, when I traveled overseas to Austria, my dear friends that I met over there, they were gonna come to America. And so that's why I'd like pushed my move up. Cause I was like, they don't wanna, North Dakota's fun. But like, when you wanna come to America, you wanna come to some place where there's things to do and stuff like that. So I pushed my move up a little bit farther than maybe what was comfortable for me. And so then when they were coming, I was like, I don't even have a place to stay for me. And now I got these other people coming and it, it was something else. So thankfully I found a two bed townhouse on Fairfield Avenue down south and lots of people don't love the south side, but I've grown to really enjoy it. My current house is only five blocks from the first townhouse that I had. Um, but yeah, then I worked at the, the church for a long time and I made good friends there and they always, yeah. I made good friends with them the summer before, and so like those are the people that I would hang out with. Um, but then once uh, that guy and I split, then it was like, okay, now you have to go try new things. So I took ballroom dancing classes, and I got to join small groups, and I joined all these different things and stuff like that, and that's when I met y'all. And like, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. I was supposed to join someone else's small group, but theirs was full, and I was already a week late into it, so I was like, I don't know if I really should show up or not. And then, yeah, showed up at your house on the first day, and 
your name was Dakota, like where I was from. And <laughs> <laughs> we all said my name six or seven times. And <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I remember whenever you first walked in, I was just like, I don't know how to say your name. <laughs> you were very <laughs> honest about yeah, it. I was like, I don't know how to say it, but uh, I saw it in the writing and uh, you better just uh, say it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you just say it so we all know how to do it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. It's funny too, because uh, Jimmy and I were literally just talking about that. We're like, man, like we that small group wasn't even supposed to happen either. Because like we go in there, we're like, hey, it's got to be Mondays. They're like, yeah, Mondays are full. It is what it is. We're like, okay, cool. Let's uh, let's look at our schedules. Uh, yeah, Monday's the only day that works for us. <laughs> and they're like, well, you can open up a new one if it, if that's the only day that works for you. Like kind of like we weren't going to. And we're like, okay. And let's then we started <laughs> one. And then yeah, just like uh, it felt like it was meant to be. Like we met some really cool people and all got to connect and become mm-hmm. really good friends. So it was yeah. pretty crazy. It's so much more than a small group. Like trying to tell people now that like, oh, these are my friends from small group but like actually we've done like four years together and like i would move anywhere that they would be in like it's not just these people that i spend at a week an hour a week with them or anything like that right yeah yeah like i think all all of us do business together all of us incorporate together like i don't know yeah we see each other multiple times a week oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that is awesome how uh how did you and jimmy decide to like start the small group uh, honestly, I don't remember, uh, but I remember that Jimmy was asking me basically just like impact and stuff like that and like what yeah. we wanted to do. And I remember like I was like, well, you know, like I do feel like I'm not having the relationship with God that I want to have right, right now. And so then I remember we were like, all right, let's do uh, Villages of Hannah and then like let's do a small group. So uh, like it was just some way that we could like incorporate like the spiritual side and like, you know, get back the relationship with God and it definitely helped. And then uh at that time, I was going through the divorce and everything yeah. like that, so I was like really like just messed up and felt like I needed to need your direction again. Yeah. yeah. So, was yeah. there anyone who uh, like uh, encouraged you guys to start? Because I feel like I feel like I remember Jimmy saying something like, "Oh yeah, such and such really thought that we should start a small group," but maybe he just heard the message come back and they were like, yeah, you should start your own. But really it was more like, yeah, yeah. you guys should like start your own, I guess. Uh, I don't remember anybody specifically saying like, Being hey, encouraging. Yeah, like, hey, like you guys would be really good small group leaders. I don't remember right. that ever coming up, but. Well, you did. Yeah, yeah. we did. We met you, yeah. that, that made it worth it. <laughs> Seriously, I, I love, I, I, it's sad like, that some of them have like are part of our group haven't made it like they have moved away or different seasons of life and stuff like that but man like i think about our first trip that we all took to arizona that was like kind of a uh, these new people we'll see how it goes and like those that was five of us how how long did we know you when uh when we went on that trip less than six months oh really yeah oh my gosh you're like all right we're gonna see how it goes i was so broke i was so broke during that time sarah actually lent me the money to go on it wow yeah that was okay. So full circle. That was when um, I finally cut the cord on working from home. I was like, this is just not profitable anymore, and I can't keep draining draining my bank account. And I actually like, it was really hard. But I had to ask my parents for rent money one month, and I I hate like having to be dependent on people. And so I was like, all right, I got to find a new job. And like, God, whatever you send me, I will take it. Like, I need. It's not what I want anymore. Like I need a better job, and so that's when Brunswick uh, was hiring, and so um, yeah, I got to build pontoon boats at five thirty in the morning until three thirty, and it was really hard work and an interesting environment. But they paid really well, and so I got to get back on my feet. And so then within 
six months of being there, then I got to purchase my house. So yeah, yeah. Let's talk about. Uh, well, first, I want to actually we'll talk about your purchase of your house here soon because obviously that's a that's a big stepping stone too. But uh, before that, you you know you said that like you didn't want to borrow money from your parents stuff like that. Did you end up paying them back or like uh, what's that relationship like now? Like, do you still like not to borrow anything from anybody and then always make sure that you're keeping like is it like a keeping score kind of thing or? No, they're very they were very kind about it. I mean, we definitely have a an understanding of like. If you need something, I'll always be able to go to them for it. But like, yeah, you're supposed to be an adult, so like, it does. It is expected to be paid back. So I, I got to pay it back, um, and stuff like that. They were really, really, really understanding about it. Um, they've all had. I think they both had situations where you know life is a little tight sometimes. So I really appreciate how easy they made it on me because I really hated to even have to have that conversation. Just because like you know we're raised to like be independent and take care of yourself and stuff like that. So it was it was a rough month, but it brought us closer that, oh, my parents will take care of me if I really need it. Yeah, okay. was, that just reminds me of like every time, like my dad bought me my first vehicle and then all that stuff. So then I feel like, I don't know why, but I don't know if it's just like a difference in like, you know, entrepreneurs or people in general, but anything that my parents gave me, I want to pay them back now. Like even from when I was before I was 18, when like, you know, they're supposed to take care of me. I'm still right. just like, you know, my dad bought me my first vehicle. So I bought him a truck. He sold that truck. So I was like, all right, I'm giving you another truck. And then he finally kept that one for a little while. So then I felt like, okay, my, like I paid him back now. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's just like you in general or like, uh, like, did you develop that over time or? Um, I, I really lean a big part of, um, like who I wanna be on being the person that people depend on. So then if I have to be the one that's like, oh, I'm not stable enough to be on my own and I have to be dependent on someone else, I, I just really don't enjoy it. Plus it can put you in, like my parents are awesome, but if it was with someone else, like you might have different rules and regulations, they might, you know, have different expectations for it and stuff like that. So I, I just, um, I always wanna be in a place where other people, like at the end of the day, if they need something like that's why I like to have a really dependable car if anyone ever needs me I can always get to them if um, yeah if they need finances or if they need a place to stay like especially since I needed a place to stay when I first came here like yeah you can come stay at my house I have 26 places now that you yeah. can stay at yeah like I got a room that you can rent <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. please please do compensate in some way now it's a business but yep. yeah at the end of the day I really want to be the person that people depend on and so being um, dependent myself is just a real, not what I enjoy a lot. Yeah, that is interesting because I feel like uh, that's something else that I, I try to do is like give so much that if I ever ask anybody for anything, like it's not like it's not like a, like a keeping score. Yeah, it's not like they owe me anything, but I know that I provided so much value for so many different people that right. if I ever am in need, it's like, dude, like somebody is going to uh like help me just because i've helped them so much more than what i like i could ever ask for at least right. i try to right um so yeah it is interesting though because i remember when i was younger i was seen as like the uh like the moocher like every time i went over to tony's the house grapes. yeah grapes. i ate the grapes and then <laughs> uh you know i had a friend uh, matt matt bloomfield who lives out in arizona like he used to um you know pay for tickets and stuff a lot so i like i was known for like people thinking like that i was taking from them oh. and like feeling like that and it was interesting because it was like the only way i could survive or like actually hang You're like, out what am i supposed to do yeah so yeah. it is interesting how like uh how that changes 
at least for me, once I turned 18, that was when it really switched. Yeah. So I don't know if like, uh, you know, before you're 18, it was like, hey, this is like, you know, my parents' responsibility and stuff. And then after 18, like, I'm an adult now. Um, no, I, I remember like, the reason I got a job as soon as I possibly could. Like I'd work for my friend's mom before it was legal, just helping her out or whatever. And then I, I actually had a job at 14 and stuff like that. Um, but it's cause my, <laughs> my mom and I have different spending habits. She'll spend a uh, hundred plus dollars on good shoes cause she, she wants her ankles bother her and stuff like that. I'll spend $10 on shoes, but I'll spend a hundred dollars on jeans. And so like when it would come to school shopping, she, you know, their differences would pop up. So then I was like, oh, I want to get a job so then I can spend my money on what I want and stuff like that. Um, and so then it, it really, I appreciated that when you are independent or at least you have your own finances, like you get to make your own cho yeah. choices then and stuff like that. So. That, is, that is hilarious because I literally, I feel like, man, I feel like we have a lot of similarities now. Because uh, yeah. like I remember when I was young, I was like 12, I was working for $5 an hour and I was working like 12 hours a day doing concrete. Jeez. And uh, like... I was like, holy crap, I just made $200 this week. And I was like, so excited. And then my mom uh, told me that I had to buy my own clothes with that money. Cause like all my sisters got all their school clothes paid for, but then I had to buy my own, but I got to pick whatever I wanted. So I wore all black and like could do whatever <laughs> I wanted. So it was like nice being able to have that freedom. And I was, I was okay with it right. as long as I got to like choose. Yeah. Yeah. I like to be able to choose what I want to do with my time or things like that. I, I moved out really fast too. Um, like I moved out actually two days before graduation and stuff like that. And I was just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be an adult. Maybe that wasn't the wise decision, but you learn a lot really fast. Yeah. And like, how old were you? I had just turned 18 at that time. I May 17th is my birthday and we graduated like the 30th. So I had just turned 18, was able to sign the lease. And it was only for a couple months because then I came here. Like, wow, why oh, did really? I do that? Oh, just kidding. It was right before I went to Austria. But it, I was ready I was ready to have some freedom. And yeah, it was um, the bills come quick. And like, it's really a lot of freedom, like um, just to like, oh, no one knows where I am if I don't come home at this time or whatever. And it's not like I was out being a juvenile delinquent, but you know, then you show up to work and you're like, dang, I only got two hours of sleep last night or something like that. Like I was a really good kid in high school. So it was, it was a lot of freedom really fast that um, was definitely an adjustment. Now I'm, I think I'm a little bit more boring again, but. So you went, you went from uh, 18, you moved out, and then you went to Austria, and then you came back to North Dakota, and then you came to Indiana, or what's that, what's that yeah. timeline look like? Like, how long yeah. were you in that rental house? How did you even qualify or find it? Were you working? Oh. Or, like, talk about right after high school, what happened? Yeah. I was working at the dealership in Jamestown, and um, so I got a three-month lease starting in May, and then, like, August, September, I went to Austria, um, which I don't know why I didn't just live with a friend for three months. Like I could have saved so much money if I would have, but, um, then I went to Austria. I was trying to stay for the whole year, but it was during the Syrian refugee crisis. So like, um, I couldn't get a work visa. So blew through my savings account, came back, worked again for a while. At that time I worked at O'Reilly's for a while. Um, cause I knew I wasn't going to stay for a good amount of time. And then, yeah, went to Fort Wayne here, came back worked for the dealership again, and then as well as the airline. Didn't realize that actually if you work for the airline, you get to fly for free. So that was that was really fun. We should make friends with people that work at the airlines. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I moved out here finally. Um, and so yeah, I've had, I worked 
for the church. I worked at the the work from home place. Worked for Brunswick. I worked for um, the dental lab, and now oh, I worked for UPS for about four days. Then <laughs> 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 I came here. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, now I I would want to hear about your your house your house experience buying your first property that experience, what other people told you and uh, like just the, the struggles of buying your first property. Cause a lot of people that, you know, we talk to, um, it seems to me that people are scared to buy their first investment property. They're less scared to buy their first property in general. But in my opinion, you bought an investment property as your first property. So that is a little bit uh, more scary. So yeah, walk us through that. I. Uh... I was watching a friend from back home. He was into real estate investing and he was like, had a fourplex and he was just collecting checks every month. And I was like, I want to do that. And so I literally Googled one day, like what is the best, what are the best cities to real estate, invest in real estate in the United States? And Fort Wayne is in the top 10. So I was like, great, I'm already here. This is perfect. Um, so I thought that I would do like a duplex or something like that. Um, but the way that the FHA loans go, all the utilities have to be split. And since the houses here are kind of like chopped houses, they're not really split like that. So it wasn't working out. Um, and I was kind of getting discouraged, especially because like my lease was coming up. And I was like, I think I talked to you a lot about it. I was like, I don't know where I'm going to stay. I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're like, well, you could just stay in our room if you really need to. But um, so then I finally switched to like, OK, what if I get a fixer upper and then I can flip it in like two years, then I can sell it. I can live in it while I do it. Like Investor Girl Britt does it all the time. Like she was super yeah. cool to watch on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Um, but like I used to have like some phases that I'd go through that were like I'd have all these great ideas and they would never pan out because I, I just didn't put in the work or I didn't discipline myself enough or I didn't think it through. And so, um, yeah, it was um, a rough time like actually – finding a property that I could see the vision for and stuff like that. Um, and a bunch of people always tell you like, oh, when you when you see it, you'll know. And that's a bunch of crap, but <laughs> actually it kind of was. <laughs> like uh, this house had been on the market for a couple months and in the market that we're in, like it was, that was crazy. Um, Cause I was getting really discouraged that every property that would pop up that I could go look at, they'd be sold before I'd even go there. Um, what year was it? 2018? Okay, 19, okay. Yeah. And, uh, so this house was just a couple blocks away from where I was. And honestly, I'd, I'd heard of South Calhoun Street. And I was like, I don't want to live on there. No, thank you. But drove past it one day, and, like, all the houses around it had, like, acre lots. This one has 1.18 acres. It's got three walls of windows. And coming from my townhouse, I had, like, two. I was like, I'm, I'm ready for some sunlight. So, um, and inside the house, like, the previous person had, like, gutted it down to the, there was, like, cement floors, the carpets need to still be taken out in the bedrooms, but like there's a hole in and a load bearing wall too. He chopped a hole in a load bearing wall so it's starting to sag and like the kitchen was it was it needed some love, but this was the first house that I could actually envision like, oh, this is what I'll do here, this is what we'll take out, this is what I could do. Um, and so then it was like, okay, is this actually what I want to do? How do I have the money for it? Because like six months ago, I had to ask my parents for rent money. So I'm, I'm doing okay, but I don't have a, like a large savings account. So then that's when you told me about um, like how you can put it on your credit card, basically. And so I don't know what you call it exactly. Manufactured spending. Manufactured spending. That changed the game. Like you're giving yourself a loan. Like as long as you have good credit, like you can really make it work for you and stuff like that. So I, I, I put my down payment on a credit card, basically. And... Um, 
oh yeah, the guy was so wonderful, but since the house was a little bit rough, people kept like lowballing him, and so he'd get really sensitive about it. Um, and so like when the appraisal came in under than what I'd offered him, I think I offered him seventy three, and it came back at seventy. And so I was like, I I don't I don't even have the money for the down payment, much less mm-hmm. paying over what the bank's gonna give me. Um, and so you encouraged me to give him a call actually, because talking between the lawyer or the um, the realtor is like they just just wasn't working out. He was getting mad. He was getting kind of frustrated with it. And so I just called him one time and was like, Hey, I love the house. This is what I dream about doing in it. Like I really want to just live my life here and be able to have friends over and and enjoy the backyard and stuff like that. And I appealed to his like this is his family home. And so then he finally agreed. He's like, yep, I totally get it. Um, I'd be happy to. And then I actually had to talk to him again about the closing costs because I was like, I also don't have money for that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, whatever you can contribute. He was super nice about it. And like he left all the lawn equipment in there. He helped me mow it for the first time because it's, it's, there's a lot there that you have to like watch out for and stuff. So he was really nice about it. And um, I, I had to actually fix the I had to gut and redo the bathroom before the house was actually mine strongly would not recommend but um the loan wouldn't go through because there was like a hole in the shower or something like that so I had to figure out how to do it and that was a good weekend of like okay I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing I've never renovated a house before I don't have the tools for it I don't have the money basically to do it either um but there's a lot that you can find on YouTube and uh it's working still. I still shower in that shower. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I feel like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of lessons there that uh, you spoke about. The first one that I was thinking of is uh, the first thing is like, that's what I was explaining to you was that like, it's such an emotional decision when you're selling a property and your ego gets in the way, especially when there's realtors involved and all you're looking at is a piece of paper and a number. That's it. And then your realtor's like, Hey, this is what they offered. Like, we're humans, no matter how, you know, emotional people like think that they like, you know, can put a wall up or whatever. And they're like, it's not, it's not personal It's business. Like, no, we're, we're human beings. It's going to be personal. So yeah. yeah. Talking to people and like letting them know your situation and like why it, you know, doesn't make sense for you. That's how we get properties for really good deals as well. Because we're like, Hey, like, this is our situation. This is why we can't pay this amount. We can pay this amount if it doesn't work, not a big deal, but like at least they're understanding where it's not like, Hey, I'm not trying to lowball you. I'm just letting right. you know that like, I'm doing everything I can on my end. That's all I got. Yeah. If it doesn't work on your end, that's okay. But, uh, also like, you know, a lot of people will tell you, Oh, you don't have the money for it. Like you can't buy a home. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you ask, how can I do it? And that's the questions that you asked was how can I do this? How can I make it work? And you find a way to make it work. And, uh, seems like it's paying off. So let's let's talk about like how you actually started generating income from it then and like did it pay off and like did you pay off your credit cards all that different things? Oh yeah. Um when I was still at my townhouse, um I started someone was like, "Yeah, you should rent out your extra room now that you have that space." And I was like, "No, I don't really want to get murdered in my sleep. Like I'm a single female. I don't want to have strangers come stay with me." Um but I need I needed the money at the time, so I was like, "Whatever. I'll give it a try if I don't like it, I never have to do it again." And uh, yeah, then I started not having to like make my rent payment anymore. I had a little extra money and and um, so I was like, oh, this will be perfect. Okay, this is what I'll do at the, the flip house. Like when I flip it, there's three extra rooms. That's what I'll do there. Um, but by the time I finished the reno, enough for people to come stay, 
was COVID, like May 2020, like no one's vacationing anymore. Um, but then I started getting these travel nurses that book on Airbnb, and they stay for like 13 weeks at a time. So then it's, I appreciated that it wasn't uh, nightly stays anymore, because then, then I'd have to like take every single little hair out of my drain in my shower, make sure there's no dishes in the sink, like have it hotel ready every single time, which just makes it hard, like when I was working full time and stuff like that. Um, so I appreciated that it was more of like a roommate situation. You still get to make the rules. There's a money exchange, but you still um, have a little bit more control of your house and stuff like that. So um, yeah, then one room got booked. And so then I was like, I only had a bed in that room. And then I accidentally double booked them. And so I was like, well, all right, I guess I'm gonna sleep <laughs> on the floor and get a, like a mattress from somebody else. And so I hurry up and furnished another room before this other person came. And uh, yeah, I slept on a mattress for probably like two months while I was trying to like recoup the money to furnish another room. And so like it all happened really fast. I'd say probably within six months, then I had all three of the rooms uh, furnished and booked out and stuff like that. And then I was starting like I think we had I think it was on the phone with you. And I started to realize like, oh, I have actually replaced my income. Like this is financial freedom. now. I still have a day job. But yeah, if things go bad, like I actually have this to lean on and stuff like that. So it, it happened faster than I, I really thought it was going to happen at all. That's crazy. Yeah. And then uh, and then later you ended up just refinancing out and then paying off all the debt and like getting a lower rate and everything or what was what happened there? Yeah, when I bought the house, I didn't do my research, I guess, on how to get the money to put into the house. Um, so I got like a personal loan, which is a higher percentage and stuff like that. I think I got a $7,000 loan. So I dumped all that money into the house. And then, yeah, then when I went to refinance, um, paid like lumped that loan in there. Um, and then was able to pull out, I think, like twenty, no, like twenty thousand dollars to be able to redo the kitchen, and then I actually got to put that towards the new properties this year and stuff like that. Um, so it was nice to actually like. It was a good moment of like, oh, it actually worked out. Like yep. I, I, most of the time my decisions like, oh, I didn't think it through or whatever, but this one like the refinance came through, like well over what I bought it for, and got to refinance it. Like it, it worked out better than I could have imagined. Yeah, that is crazy too. Like, uh, I, I know Grant Cardone's always like, don't buy a house, don't buy your personal house. That's the dumbest thing you could do. But it's like, man, like if I didn't buy a house, if you didn't buy a house, like you can leverage that property to buy so many different properties and the rates that they give you for your own residence are like lower than you can get on almost anything else. Like they're basically giving you almost free money. I mean, it's, it's stupid low rates. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to have a personal residence and to make sure that you use it basically the way that you're using is like use it to produce income. Yeah, I, I really don't appreciate when people are like, Oh, your personal house, it's an asset. It's an asset. Like, most of the time, it's a money pit for years until you yeah. sell it. And like, even if you sell it for 20,000 more over what you bought it for, like, how many years of utilities have you put into it? And like, right. all these improvements? And stuff yep. like, yeah. Is it actually an asset is it making you money like the rich dad poor dad like is it actually in like bringing you income and stuff like that so that's what i appreciate about airbnb is like oh then i could make it profitable yep. like i don't have a duplex but i can still rent it out and it yep. was a lot higher of a 
rent rate that I could charge for short term than versus long term. Yep, and it's funny because I I use my personal residence to make income in a totally different way. So like my house does not generate income by itself. I actually pay, and then I was like, man, I can see where Grant Cardone's coming from on this because I'm like, I just spent ten thousand dollars on rocks to go around my house. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing ever. It's like, what am I doing? And like, you know, it's like you, you say that you say it's my personal residence, so then you feel justified in doing it, and you're like, I'm gonna live here. I want it to be what I want. And I just noticed I was dumping money into the property. But what I did is I used a home equity line of credit to then buy cash flowing assets. So yeah. it still is producing income in another way, even though I'm not like producing income from that itself, I'm using the equity from the asset to actually do it. So yeah, where people where people get stuck with their home equity line of credit, like I remember my dad being like, uh, we should refinance the house and then put a roof on it. Or like we should refinance the house and then pay down the credit cards or we should refinance the house and then uh, get you a newer vehicle kind of thing. So it's like when you just continue to uh, use your liabilities to, to you know, pay off previous liabilities or like to cover debts or like that sort of thing. It, only if it really makes sense should you do it um, because a lot of times uh, consumer, doing consumer activities is going to lead to you, you know, having to work more. So the whole point is just to create something that brings you cash every month yeah work less yep uh so for people who want to get started in real estate investing are there any like books podcast resources that you recommend and then also for people who are looking at uh airbnb but don't think that they could do it uh what advice do you have to those people uh, I listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast for like a long time about how I was going to even, do I want to get into real estate? What kind do I want to do? Stuff like that, um, which seems to be like a lot of the ways that people start out. Um, and I don't think I read a lot of books, unfortunately, until recently. Like Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a big eye opener, um, especially the cash flow quadrant one now. Um, five hour work week, things like that. That was more later on once I got into it. But um I think it was only four hours. Four <laughs> four hours. <laughs> is that what it is? You might be working five, ten first till four. four. <laughs> five hour work week for Jacinda. <laughs> She's a little sad. <laughs> um, but for Airbnb, I I really didn't know what I was doing. Like I got twin beds from some like friends here, and I used my grandma's quilts on them, and like it, it wasn't necessarily anything nice. So then once I started getting. Um, more into it like oh how can i streamline this of like um have double sheets for everything just the little things like so you can turn over more but um my biggest um piece of advice about airbnb is like it really doesn't take anyone special like i just wash sheets put them down and try to smile when people would come into my house like it it changed my life and it wasn't because i was good at anything like anyone can do it and like you don't have to work for, you know, 50 some years till you're 75. Like it doesn't have to be any success fairy that comes in. Like Andy Frazilla talks about um, the success fairy and how, oh, I used to think that some people were predestined to be more successful than others. And like it, it really wasn't anything that I was good at. I just wash sheets, you put them on the bed, you take pictures of your house. Crappy pictures to you. I had a really old phone and so like they weren't nice pictures. None of it was nice. It was like $30 a night and like it started out that way but 
figure it out as you go. And then, then eventually I got an uh, Airbnb coach and stuff like that. But um, you really don't have to be anyone special to get started in Airbnb. What is, uh, what is rental arbitrage? And then what does that look like? Um, so yeah, when I quit my job in April, I was like, well, maybe, maybe, well, we went to basic and then I was like, okay, all right, I'll get another one, something, I'll get a new unit this year, but I can't buy a house now because I quit my job. And so, um, I was doing some research on other Airbnb people and what they do and they do rental arbitrage. So they'll go to a landlord and tell them like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be the person on the lease. Um, I'm going to furnish the house, change the locks and furnish it or sorry rent it out to other people um and sometimes you'll get a no and sometimes you'll get a yes and so that's what i was like that's that's what i've got to do because i don't have the money otherwise i can come up with you know first month's rent or a deposit but i can't come up with a 20 percent down payment for a house and so yeah i talked to uh Ed, and I was so scared. I I had no idea how to like pitch. This is before I got my coach, and so I like called him up in like the shakiest voice and was like, "This is what I do. I don't know if you want to do it, but like this is kind of what I was thinking. But it's cool if you don't want to do it." And, like, he's like, "I mean, sure. Look at some properties, and we'll see what we can do." And um, so yeah, we ended up finding one uh, <coughs> student housing building that was set up perfectly for me and they took a chance I definitely pitched um, like the travel nurses and stuff like that so I don't have anyone stay less than 14 days or anything like that like these people are staying for months at a time um, but yeah rental arbitrage I think is a great way to scale you're not necessarily building equity but it it yeah produces like cash flow very fast yeah 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 so you got a coach uh, talk about the thought process behind getting a coach and then what the benefits were of getting a coach like was it worth it what all did you do you feel like it accelerated uh the learning process and what did you get out of it like would you recommend other people get a coach oh yeah definitely well, i was watching you guys and like you guys have coaches three four or five of them like coaches <laughs> and stuff like that and i was like dang i mean i could suffer through it and like try to figure it out and fail here and fail there and that's that's one thing if they're my properties but like also subleasing like i want to be accountable for those and then when i started managing for you guys and other people too i was like i it's one thing if i drop the ball for me but if i drop it for them this is not going to go well um and so i was like i need to learn how to scale bigger and that's how you do it is by getting a coach and so i was just going on instagram and like searching airbnb people and I, they'd always schedule these like 15 minute Zoom calls with you. And it was just a free little thing. They'd see what you want, what you're about, stuff like that. And I'd gone through a few. And then one night I had one with my coach was Jorge Contreras. And during the day I saw on Ryan Pineda, your guys' coach, uh, I saw on his Instagram that him and Jorge had done like a live that day. And I was like, that's the same guy that I'm supposed to be meeting with tonight. So I was super excited. And the person that I met with on that Zoom call the first night, like, everything aligned like this is the kind of business we're into they're super about personal development too and like freedom of time and it's not just about making money it's like how you want to live your life and, and legacies and stuff like that and so everything aligned with it I really appreciate that he did business with Ryan and I was like that, that seems like this is the place to go and so um yeah got coaching from them and it was it was like Monday through Thursday and they're all west coast so it was like 9 to 11 p.m every night on these coaching calls um but it was it was super fun to like be around other people that were in it like most of the time i've been this 
uh, like the crazy girl that has strangers come stay with her. And so it was nice to be around other people that were into it. They saw like the perks of it and yeah, to be able to learn um, like the little tips and tricks of like, this is what you put on your listing. Like cozy, use the word cozy 600 times in your <laughs> listing. I don't know what it is, but for some reason that's the word. You can't say small. You got to say cozy. Cozy, yeah. <laughs> not not industrial, not anything like that. Cozy, mm. cozy is the word. That's funny. Yeah. What if it's a normal size? Do you still call it cozy? Yep, sure do. Everything, <laughs> everything's super cozy. Warm, comfortable, cozy. <laughs> just like you, you walk in and there's just like these pillars and like this big archway and everything and it just looks ominous and you're like, a uh, really cozy, quaint. <laughs> you know, it'd be funny is if like you. It'd be funny if you just have like, uh, um, like art everywhere, and it all says cozy. <laughs> <laughs> all of the art. They're just like looking at photos, and there's a picture of cozy every single room. It's honestly hard to keep them straight in like my um, management software because. Every single property starts with cozy, so then I have to like try to give it a different internal like because I don't freaking know what it is. <laughs> they all say cozy. That's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, uh, software. Um, what CRM tools or systems could you not live without? Um, for a while I used a with Airbnb. Um, when someone inquires about your property, you have to respond within an hour, otherwise Airbnb kind of is like, hey, you're not that responsive. Nah, nah, nah. Um, and so when I was working my day job, I got a, um, a system that would, uh, they would reply automatically for me and stuff like that. You had set up replies, automated things and stuff like that. So that really helped me. But I started to notice that it was kind of robotic and people could tell that it wasn't me. Cause then I'd come back later and be like, oh, actually, yeah, we already talked about this. It's actually this or something like that. So it just wasn't that professional. I didn't think. Um, and so then, um, I stopped doing that because then I had my freedom of time. I could actually, I, when I quit my day job, I was able to be the one doing it. Um, but then once I got more than um, my own, once I started getting your guys and stuff like that, I wanted to post on different platforms and stuff like that too. Like if people wanted to book directly with me, like the nurses, they typically will, or Airbnb, there's also VRBO. Um, and so having a double booking is the worst. Like it's the absolute worst and you have to go with the Airbnb one, otherwise, like you get severely penalized. Like, eat it with whatever it is with whoever else. Like, pay them off, find a new place for them, pay for a hotel for them, but like keep the Airbnb one because otherwise you get um, like docked really bad for it. Um, so I got the management platform. I use Hostfully. Um, it's cheaper than Guesty or other things like that. Um, so it really keeps all your your calendar straight. I appreciate that I can build a property on that one, and then it'll push it onto VRBO, onto Airbnb and stuff like that. Um, and then it allows for like nice um, payment platforms like it, we use Stripe now and stuff like that. So it's been an interesting um, getting used to that. I felt so freaking dumb. I had like five coaching calls with them on how to figure out the website. Does it make it so that you won't accidentally double book people? Um, yes and no. So if you use it the right way, that I don't, you won't have any double bookings, but um, I I don't like to have instant book on on Airbnb, and so I can't have them absolutely synced immediately, so then I just have to go through and like refresh the calendars. Um, so there is a slight possibility of ever having like a double booking, but that would only be if I didn't refresh my page and didn't, um, if I accepted a booking when I knew that there was one and stuff like that. So, um, 
if you're doing actual vacation rentals and stuff like that, it's absolutely perfect for it. With uh, Airbnb, do you feel like Airbnb will get saturated? Um, do you think that it'll ever become like less lucrative because of competition? I do get a little bit nervous about it here in Fort Wayne just because like we're all getting into it and it makes me really happy because it, it, it's so profitable and I want people to have that, that same experience. Um, but I guess maybe with the nurses that we're all really enjoying, um, I don't know if it'll quite be like this for forever. Um, maybe in the next two years it might slow down. Um, but I do think that at that point the uh, vacations will start coming up. Like Fort Wayne is growing exponentially, and so I think I think for actual vacation rentals will be okay. Um, but like my properties are set up rented out per room, so I think I might be in a little bit of a tighter spot in a couple of years. So adjusting how that goes. You heard it. D- Jacinda said earlier you got to come to Fort Wayne if you wanna want stuff to do. <laughs> or if you want warm weather. <laughs> yeah, warm weather, warm weather and stuff to do when you're used to North Dakota, I guess. Oh Fort God. Wayne's like this metropolis. It was so nice. My first winter here, uh, when I worked at the the boat place, they called me one day. It was like negative eight. And they're like, yeah, it's too cold to come into work. And I was like, what? <laughs> Normally my old bosses would be like, can you come in early? Everything's broken. So do you want to stay awesome. home? It's too cold. So... Uh, what are you going to do if the market dips? Like if Airbnb just drops out? I don't know. That's just one of the questions I had. <laughs> <laughs> um, my worst case scenario, like if things don't go well with rental arbitrage and stuff like that, like worst case scenario, I do appreciate that with those worst case scenarios, you just buy yourself out of the lease. So pay three months rent, buy yourself out. You're not going to be in a worst case scenario sitting on a house that you have you know, how much money into or something like that. Um, but I don't I don't think, uh, I think people are going to be traveling for a while. I think they like Airbnb because they can actually have kitchens and, you know, they can bring their pets and their families and stuff like that. So um, when it comes to if it's going to ever not be there at all, I think maybe it'd just be a different platform. So I guess, uh, what do you think uh, your biggest superpower is? Oh, um... I would say that it's it's that so my I name my company J Trade Properties and stuff like that. My Instagram handle is J of All Trades, and my I do think that my like best asset about myself is that I'm not great at anything, and it used to feel really like I used to feel bad about it. Like in high school, everyone has their thing that like oh I'm I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and I'm really passionate about these things, and I was like I I'm not really great at anything, but I'm moderately okay at everything. And so, like, that really benefited me, like, with all the jobs that I've had, um, with renovating the house. Like, I don't know how to do any of it really great, but it's still standing. Like, I took out a load-bearing wall in my house, and it hasn't fallen in half yet. So um, I think that would be my biggest asset of, like, I, I genuinely do believe that I'll be able to figure out how to get it done sustainably. Yeah, I got two things on that. So one is that book, uh, Everything is Figureoutable. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that sort of reminds me of it. And then two, I would say, like, now everybody knows you for how great you are at Airbnb. So, like, now you found your thing that, like, it's like, man, like, she's really great at this. And, like, everybody in town, I, I honestly think that a lot of people in town know that. And, like, you know, sometimes that 
it almost comes into a detriment because everybody's like, hey, 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 can I come, uh, can I come, uh, you know, learn from you or can you do this for me and stuff? And it's like, dang, yeah. you have to turn down some people. But yeah, I definitely think that now that that's one of your superpowers is like that you're known for knowing what to do with Airbnb and being like a uh, an expert in the Fort Wayne area. So yeah, that's been weird to like have something that I'm actually fairly knowledgeable about. Instead, yeah. So. Yeah. That's it's awesome. almost like known for too, because it's not so much a superpower as it is like a like it's not a character trait. It's like something that comes from like doing the work mm -hmm. and putting in the time, and then people come to you like, "I want to do Airbnb. Can I like talk to you for an hour over lunch?" It's like, dude, I can't teach you everything that I learned in the last like. <laughs> yeah. I can't teach you everything there is to know about Airbnb. You can't just go do it next week. Like this took a while. Right. You have to get committed to it and decide that you're definitely gonna do it. Right. There's definitely some some niche things about it. Like you can get started. You'll make some mistakes. You'll figure it out. But there are some like little tips that like. All right. Give me like 20 minutes. I'll give you like the quick synopsis, and then you can figure it out if you want. I'm trying to get into coaching more now because. Um, it, like it changed the game for me like it replaced my income in a year so i'd like to be able to help other people do it and just i can't do it for them all the time so if i can teach them how they can do it yeah speaking of uh coaching what's that setup look like for you now and like if people are interested in learning from you how could they they get yeah. reach out to you and like what would the structure look like um right now um i'm doing uh like zoom calls or if you want me to go out in person you know got an hourly rate for that and stuff like that um but if uh yeah, if you reach out to me on Instagram or whatever, um, J of all trades is my my Instagram handle. But I'm I'm really excited. You don't necessarily have to like do a whole um, like program with me or anything like that. Like we just have a few questions. Like I'm I'm really down to just help in any way. So it's just per session that you charge. Okay. So far, I'd love to create a program and actually do it. Um, just sit like just like you guys. It's the actual like sitting down, making it happen. What do yeah. I want to say? Things like that. So if you're comfortable, you want to share with people like how much it would cost? Yeah, I do a hundred dollars an hour for a Zoom call, and then if you want me to come out to the property, it's 150. So, cool. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty cheap, really? especially like I mean I think so to get to get advice, like the way that I look at uh, advice and different things like that is the same way that I look at like Zoom calls for sales. I'm like, man, like it's a hundred dollars a month. Let's say you go one month, you learn one close, that one thing is going to help you make probably over thought like over a thousand dollars in your first couple months for sure okay. but then i look at the lifetime of the knowledge that you provide because you've been through other things so you provide one thing right. that's going to make them thousands of dollars that they now get to use for the rest of their life and it's not to say that they would not find it themselves but they're going to find it faster which means that they get to make more money in a, a sh like a faster amount of time that's true. so that's the way that i look at like knowledge and learning and coaching and like growing and that's that's why like you should always pay money well, you don't necessarily have to pay money, but I think you should pay money to grow because then you also pay more attention to what you're learning. Like when you pay money, you're paying attention. If you're just going on YouTube and stuff, I'm playing in the background. I'm like, you know, and you get stuff from it. But when you pay money and like you're asking specific questions that you really need help with at that time, I think it just shortens the curves and make you more money in the long run. So yeah, I think it's very cheap. Okay, that makes me feel good. Cause I never want it to be like, I know when I first started out, I'd never be able to afford that. Um, so I definitely want to make sure that it's affordable for people, but it's so well worth my time. Because otherwise, you know, people cancel, you know, they're busy or whatever, and then it's a waste of your time as well. And so 
Yeah. To make sure it's a win-win. And I would say that uh, most of the time, I see people's biggest struggle is not lack of information. It's lack of like, uh, like Tony was talking about, committing, like doing it. So when you pay money to learn for it, guess how much more you are now committed to actually making a return on your investment. I feel like you're more likely. It's not necessarily like, there's a lot of people that spend money on courses and never do anything with it. So it does happen, but at least you're taking the right steps and you're more likely that at that point. So what I look at in sales is like very similar. This is all you're doing in sales is you're trying to get them to the next step. When you're on the phone call, you're getting to an appointment. When you're at the appointment, you're getting to the contract. When you're getting, when you sign the contract, you're getting to the closing table. All you're trying to do is get them to that next spot. When I'm on the phone, I'm not trying to, you know, wrap up the contract. It's not going to work, but you right. just go through the next steps. And I do that with my own life. It's like, just like, uh, you know, we're doing Airbnbs out in Arizona now. Mm -hmm. You taking that initiative to go out there looking <laughs> at properties like, all right, it's time for me to take the next steps now because you took the next step. So then I'm like, okay, the next step is, you know, talking to somebody out there, get some boots on the ground, set up the, pull the list and Tony pulls the list and stuff. So it's just going through the next steps. And eventually you're so far in that you're just gonna do it you anyway. It yeah, because you're so far in that, all right, it's time to do it. So yeah, I think putting money towards something, paying somebody, learning, makes you more likely to do it too. So I think it's all around a good thing. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's with anything too. It's not just business. You know, there are coaches for everything. So yeah. um, it's important to be well-rounded and uh, learn learn something about yourself too. I used to be like, no, I want to do everything like the cheapest way possible. I'll, I'll just like, I renovated my whole house for myself because I didn't want to pay someone to do it. Or like, oh, I'll, I'll just figure out how to do Airbnbs by myself. And I, I don't want to pay extra money, but like, Man, if I would have gotten a coach way back then, I would have scaled so much faster. I would have learned about arbitrage even faster. Like, I would, yeah, would definitely well worth, um, yeah, swallowing your pride a little bit and actually getting a coach. Like, you don't know everything. Learn yep. from someone who knows more than you do. Definitely. When you, when you do it yourself, you get to learn the lessons the hard way. But <laughs> you know, like your your floating floor in your um, yes. hallway would have been. You only would have had to have done it once if you would have hired somebody else. Probably it depends on the contract. Yeah, but. you never really know. That <laughs> uh, it's getting worse right now. I came back from Arizona and it's cracking even more. So I just slowly moved the rug farther and farther down to cover my mess up. <laughs> Whatever. That's awesome. If that was the worst mistake I made on the house. Well, speaking of, uh, what's your biggest struggle right now? Right now? Besides um, the cracking. Uh, <laughs> floor that I stare floor. at all the time. Um, right now, I would probably say, um, like, aligning what I want. Like, like, there's a lot of opportunities that are coming my way, which I'm super grateful. Like, I still feel like that imposter syndrome of, like, I don't know, it's just that girl that w couldn't make rent one month and now it's it's working and i don't have to work and i now get to help i get i now have an assistant and she gets to live the life that i also want for her and stuff like that she has freedom of time gets to bring her dog with her stuff like mm -hmm. that like she gets to structure her life um but i'd say my um biggest struggle is uh forgot my train of thought now uh my probably biggest struggle would be oh aligning um what my uh actual goals are in life like do i want to do I want another day job, basically, or do I want to have my financial freedom? And so I think that's why I'm learning more into coaching um, and making sure that other people can still do it. I just don't have to do it for them so that they can have the gratification of it. Like, you can do it, too. Yeah, I'll say that's something else that, you know, I'm looking at in my life as well. And I know, like, you know, 
people who are growing way bigger obviously deal with it too, like Ryan Pineda and stuff. Like now, whenever you get to a spot where people know what you're doing, you're doing well at something, you get a lot more opportunities, it feels like. So more people know about you, more opportunities come to you, and then you have to decide, what do I really actually want? Because like everybody's got opportunities that are going to make you more money yeah they're like you know really sound really cool but then like you have to decide now because before you got to where you're at it seems like from you know making decisions going with it and like taking in the opportunity that life gives you it's like dude i'm gonna take advantage of this opportunity but then once you get past a certain point where you have so much going on now you have to decide is this the life that i actually want and is it getting me closer or further away because a lot of times i say yes to stuff and i'm like wait a second I think this is pulling me further away from what I really want, but you don't really know until you map it out. So, and especially like I think we all come from like you know we didn't always have the most money and stuff like that. So now to like why would why would I say no to a, an opportunity that could make me money? But is money really what I want, or do I want financial freedom and and have my time and be able to go visit and travel and things like that? So yep, it's been it's been really hard to say no to opportunities. I'm like, is this is this gonna be like the one that the universe tells me, oh, you're you're not accepting anymore. Now it's all going to go to crap. But right. And you're definitely, the interesting thing is that you're definitely saying no to more money. Like, yeah. There's no question about that. And like people think that you're stupid, especially when you're talking to them. So like they're coming to you, I got this amazing thing. And do you, are you want to make more side income? Do you want to do this? No. And they're like, what? Yeah. Why would you not? And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's very interesting the way that other people look at you as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know that this would make me more money. Still not yeah. what makes sense for me right now. I was listening to Gary Vee again the other day, and he was like, I know a lot of people that make a couple hundred thousand dollars and are very happy. They get to spend every night with their family. They get to go on trips when they want to, but like, they're, they're pretty happy with just that. And then he's like, I know millionaires that are just hating their life because they have no free time. They never see their family. They don't have time to take vacations. And like, yeah, when I first started out, I was like, yeah, I could I could probably like try to be a millionaire. Like that would be something to like say I did, but then would I be actually happy? I'd be yeah. so busy then running everything around. And yeah, I think I'd rather just sit at home with my dog if I want to. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly really good to realize that because that's something I always feel like I'm like, man, I hit a goal. I get like tunnel vision. I hit, I make the goal and then I'm like, dang, that what's next. Yeah. I'm like, or I'm like, dang, that freaking sucked. Mm-hmm. Like I want to relax now. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. I've noticed, I've actually just noticed that I do that in my life. I, it's like a workout. I can push myself so hard. If you tell me, Hey, you're three away from being done. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go real hard then. And then I'll be done. And then, but like, if you tell me, oh, we're going to be doing this for the next hour and a half, I don't push myself as hard. I'm like, oh man, I need to like relax. I need to like reserve. Yeah. But I'm like, like to me, it's like, if you could live life where you're just like, you know, going with the flow, enjoying it the whole time, like it'd be better. And I have not figured out how to do that yet. I've not figured that out. I've always had the goal mindset, but yeah, now it's we've like transitioned into more of like I I don't necessarily have like a time and place that I have to be at every day and stuff like that. And um, before we have all these properties now to furnish, but I had like a two weeks where I didn't have like a whole lot to do and like oh my gosh, waking up and like 
oh, I could just lay around if I wanted to. I could go, like I could do whatever I wanted today, and it, it didn't feel good actually because I've been yeah. pushing for the last three years of like wake up. I'd wake up at like three in the morning before I go work at five thirty to work on my house. Then I'd come home and I'd work on my house, and like people would want to go out, and I'd be like, no, I can't do that. I have to work on my house. I have to do this. And then yep. when I was furnishing the other properties, like I had no free time, and it's super gratifying. It's super painful, but it's really gratifying. And so now I'm trying to like. I worked so hard to get to this point where I could just enjoy my freedom of time, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I was literally just talking to Tony about that yesterday in the car. I was like, man, it's interesting that we work so hard and we're, we're working hard for comfort. Yes. Then we get comfort and that? then it's not actually that comfortable because like now we're like, we're, we're on ourselves because we set an expectation for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So now we have an expectation about what we're supposed to do, what is success, how we get successful. And then we keep trying to push so hard to get to a point where we don't have to do that anymore. And then it's like, man. And then I remember there's two things I remember Ed Milet said uh, multiple times. He said, I know more people that used to be rich than are rich today. And that scares the crap out of me. Um, just because like, you know, they got really wealthy and they fell off. And he, and then I remember another um, analogy that he gave was just that like it, life is like riding a bike. As soon as you stop pedaling, you fall down. Now there might be times when you pedal harder and you can pedal like slower and like still enjoy it and coast a little bit. Right. But if you stop pedaling, you will fall. So I was like, man, that is uh that is very interesting that we're all chasing comfort. Yeah. But then as soon as you hit comfort, that's when you fall off. And I've noticed that like, like, People who don't have a lot of money a lot of times live too much in that comfort stage and they're not willing to put themselves in discomfort for the opportunity for something greater. And yeah. I'll put myself in through some discomfort, but I only want it to last for a little amount of time. And like, you know, a little amount of time for the business is, you know, like five to 10 years. And I definitely feel like we're going to get there. But it's interesting how like that, if I tell myself, yeah, I'm like, just this amount of time I got to do it. Yeah. And then after that, I can live forever fine. And then I go and do the next thing and I got to suffer some more. Yes. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause I, I thought of uh, Jocko cause Jocko has an entire book. That's like discipline is freedom. So he talks about like, it's a contrarian idea too, where it's like, Oh, well, you know, if you don't get up and work out in the morning, then you end up being in a worse mood. And then you end up having a, a less, uh, pleasant life experience just with your friends, your family, stuff like that. And so, uh, like being able to do both, like enjoy your freedom, but also create some structure in your life. It's just when you actually have a hundred percent control of your time, then you have to spend it like responsibly. <laughs> it's, it's almost too much like to, uh, to have no one that necessarily tells you what to do. Like, Oh, I actually think I need a little bit of, um, some guidelines of like, I want to, I want some place to show that I have to show up to in the morning. Otherwise, like, I've been, especially in the wintertime, like, I've been sleeping in until seven, eight o'clock in the yep. morning. Like, I, I used to wake up at three and now I can hardly roll out of bed before seven. I've noticed that too. I'm like, man, like, it used to be so much easier to get up. I was literally just telling Tony, I was like, man, like, I worked out three times last week and I, like, my minimum that I will work out and like feel okay with myself. My expectation for myself is a minimum of five. Yeah. Like if I don't do five, I feel like a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. And so now like my self-confidence goes down, like all of that stuff. But then like, it's like, man, I worked so hard for so long to get to the point. I've been working like, you know, 12 hour days since I was 18. Yeah. Now I'm finally at a point where I don't have to, but then as soon as I don't, I've already created that expectation. It's like, no, like you're gonna, you're gonna work out like no matter what. But then I'm like, but am I, I enjoying it? But I have noticed this is very weird, but uh, I've noticed that 
when when you choose to put yourself in the horrible situations that like I used to not have a choice in, you know, like I didn't, mm. I used to not have a choice on whether I had hot water. I used to not have a choice on if I slept on some floors, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like whenever you're, you're choosing to do those things, it does feel better. We were just in Vegas and we're sleeping on some air mattresses. Really? Yeah, because we're cheap, but uh, we like to save money, but it's funny because like, it doesn't feel as bad when you get to choose. It's when you have no option and you have to like, you have to like lay on the floor of like somebody's house because like you don't have another option. It's like, no, I gotta stay with my friend because I moved here and I don't have a house. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the option is more empowering in some ways, but yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. Jacinda, it's uh sixty years from now and you're on your deathbed mm. and uh you have a a saying or a message to the world. It's your legacy. Uh, it's what people will remember you for. Uh, it could be a saying, just whatever you would put on a billboard. What is your legacy? I, I think it is that like it doesn't take anyone special. Like you can, Andy Brazil talks all the time about if you want to be a successful person, start doing all those things, like cultivate those things. They're not born with it. Like they aren't naturally high producing people. Like you don't have to be born with all these special things in order to be successful in life. You can create that. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I feel like it's true. <laughs> I, uh, I think about it a little bit differently, but yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's special. Yes. So I'm always like, man, like, you know, everybody thinks that like, you know, I think that you're super special and I think that like you have a lot of gifts and like you're using, you're using a small part of your gifts. Like there's so much more that you can do mm -hmm. that like you haven't even tapped into yet, but like you're using a small part of your gifts. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is like that they have gifts too. And they're like, they only have to use a little bit of them to actually accomplish some massive things. Like you're using just a small portion. So yeah, I think, uh, I think it does take special people, but everybody's special. Like everybody's got something special about them. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think that sometimes we think that people are, you know, gifted above they're this yeah. and that and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I used to think the same way, but yeah, I found my thing when I thought that my like I didn't have any. I was waiting for God to tell me what my special gift was, and it turns out that like we definitely do all have it. You just have to wait until you find it. Um, so yeah, I don't think that uh, you have to be born with it. Or you definitely right. have to just pursue it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you like you said, you can create it, and like it's already there. So it's not like you're actually making it. It's inside of you. It's like. Right. Develop it. Yeah, develop it or finding different ways to actually like be able to use it or to bring it out like more because like it's 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 all inside of us, you know what I mean? I remember hearing that quote that really stuck with us. Like you wouldn't have a dream, like a God sized dream, if you didn't already have what it takes inside of you mm -hmm. to actually go and produce it. Dang. So like you would not have that inside of you. Like God didn't put this desire, this this like yearning or anything inside of you if you didn't already have what it takes. So um yeah, it's just finding out how to pull that out is really the the question. Yeah, for real. And it doesn't have to be right away. Like right. I think we tell everyone that we're supposed to have it all figured out by the time we go to college or by the time you even enter college. Like you're supposed to have your whole life figured out and like 
I I would strongly encourage people to just work for a while, have a bunch of jobs. Like it, yeah. it really doesn't hurt you that bad. Uh, don't lead them atrociously, but figure out what you like, figure out what you're good at. Yeah, I always I always felt like it was thirty. Like thirty was the the point when you're supposed to have everything all figured out. And it's so interesting because I I remember when my mom was like twenty seven or twenty eight, and I thought. Like literally, like I was 12 years old and I thought like she should have it figured out. Like she should have everything figured out right now. And I'm like, man, like now looking back, it's interesting, you know, like my mom had her first kid when she was 18. And so like to me, like back then that was normal. Like it wasn't a big deal. It was normal. Like that's what happens. Like, you know, I'm 10 and my mom's 28, you know, or I I might, I might've been like nine at that point, but still I was just like, yeah. I feel like she should have had it figured out. And then now looking back, I'm like, man, like. Do we I, ever really get it figured yeah, out? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think nobody, anybody that you think has it figured out doesn't really have it figured out. Like, there's no question. Nobody has it figured out. That's the fun thing that's been nice about, um, like, seeing you guys personally. Like, you guys are doing so well in business. But to see you on days that you're like, I don't know what we're going to mm-hmm. do today. Um, it's nice to see the humanity of that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we need to share it more because there's a lot of those days. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jacinda was just saying, like, it doesn't take anyone special. I think, uh, like, maybe a better version of that would just be, like, everybody's just a kid from somewhere. Yeah. And, like, we're all just kids raising kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Figuring it out as we go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought my babysitter, like, my 16-year-old babysitter had her whole life figured out. <laughs> and then when I got to 16, I was like, oh, heck no. I'm I'm like ten years older than that almost now, and it's it's working, but I don't have it all figured out. Yep. Well, Jacinda, do you have any final thoughts for our viewers? Um, Give it a try. Like I really didn't think it was gonna go well. I told myself I'd give it a try once, and if it doesn't go well, then I didn't have to do it again. So give it a try, and you never know what comes up out of this. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Let me be a part of your guys' business. Like you guys really opened the doors for me a lot. Like I definitely would have been stuck at a day job for a long time. I would have been working at UPS and like thank you for your encouragement. Yeah. I worked at UPS for a little while. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not, <laughs> not not a forever job. <laughs> nope. Not for me. Uh how can listeners get a hold of you? J- what what did you say it was J J of trades. J of all trades. Yeah, with dots in, in between them all. But otherwise just in the J dot of dot all dot trades, trades <laughs> on <laughs> Instagram. Attempt to find my name on uh, Facebook, which is probably equally as difficult. So. <laughs> oh no, no, that'll be easier because you you have a unique, uniquely spelled name. So. That's true. Yeah, well, I was saying the, the notes. Spelling of it. Well, yeah. I, I was saying the same thing. Like, oh, we'll put in the notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll <laughs> help. It, yeah. yeah. Well, sweet. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being the first woman ever on this podcast. <laughs> that is crazy. Thanks. Hopefully, we'll have some more. Yeah. But. Uh, Right now, you're going to be number one. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Yeah. So if you guys want to be on the podcast and you're a woman, which I don't actually think we have too many women uh, <laughs> listeners, but hopefully uh, Jacinda's going to get us some more followers here. So share this with your woman. If you are a woman <laughs> and you watched all the way to the end of the podcast, put a comment down below. Yeah. And if you want to uh, be the next guest, let us know. And uh, yeah, we are still creating this course. I know a lot of people have been asking. I promise, guys, we're we're making it. Uh, we're almost done. I would say. I would say we're like eighty percent done at this point. So um, hopefully, this will be the month that we really knock it out. And uh, see you guys on the next one.